the thing about marketing is that it's your it's who you are portraying to your customers. It's not always about selling, 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 selling. People want to buy from businesses that they can relate to. You're listening to Foodie Canteen. I'm your host, Castle Lim. And in this podcast, I'm sitting down with Southeast Asia's leaders, entrepreneurs, and content creators in the FMB space. In this podcast, you will learn about their trade secrets, or you'll just find them as your next door neighbor. This show is supported by Good Foodie Media. For foodie who wants to connect to the world through food, they curate the best spots to eat and drink in Malaysia and Singapore. Check them out on Instagram for more. Today on the show, we have the king of burgers. From being their friends, go-to barbecue guys at the parties, these guys went on to build a burger empire in Malaysia. Stick around to find out how they do it. Hi, Renny. Welcome to the show. Hi, Kessel. Thanks for having me. You're so happy you're here on the show. For our listeners who might not have heard about you, Tell us, what do you do? Uh, I am one of the directors and co-founders of My Burger Lab. Uh, we have been around for nine years, uh, focusing in the KLPJ area only. We're known for our charcoal burgers. Uh, but more than that, I like to be, I hope that, you know, we are known for, um, you know, the, the community uh, building that we have done over the years where, you know, we see ourselves as platforms for young teenagers um, and young adults to come, you know, hone their social skills uh, in, in a very positive and, and uh, engaging environment. You studied mechanical engineering at Nottingham University and the work and travel to US where you came across uh, burgers like In-N-Out and Shake Shack changed everything. Was that, would you say, the beginning of my burger lab? Uh, yeah, well, yes and no. I think the beginning of my burger lab was when I first started in FMB. Um, and my first experience was actually with Starbucks in Malaysia. And I think that I fell in love with the idea of serving people um, something hot, something fresh, something that is uh, uniquely created for them and, and how that simple cup of coffee can put a smile uh, on one's face. So I, I really enjoyed that process. And over the years, uh, you know, through my studies, through traveling overseas, that enforced the idea that, hey, maybe that's what I want to do as a career. It wasn't so much about burgers. It was just loving FMB. Yeah, bring us through the story. I mean, you guys opened your first outlet back in 2012. That's like almost a decade in July. And now we are in 2021. <laughs> we are in the midst of a pandemic. You guys have grown from one to seven outlets now. Like, bring us through the journey. Uh, well, I mean, okay, I'll try to keep this short. Uh, in 2019, uh, me, Changming had an idea uh, whereby we said, hey, uh, let's start our own FMB business. We're tired for working for, you know, we're tired about, oh, sorry, we're tired working for others. And uh, we, we ventured with the idea of actually a cafe first. Um, and at the time, I happened to be working at a very popular uh, Australian-themed cafe in KL called The Red Bean Bag. Um, so, um, well, I was working there as a barista and uh, Chaming said he needed some kitchen experience. So we talked to the owner then, uh, Yu Kyung, and we said, hey, uh, could we come in and, and use your kitchen when you're not operating? Because at that time, they only served brunch. Uh, and, you know, he, he generously said yes. And we basically uh, rented uh, the kitchen out of uh, Red Bean Bag to do some testing. And uh, that was when our third partner also came in around the same time. Uh, we get, he's the brain of the business, uh, very smart, 
uh, analytical uh, business person. And uh, he was actually in New York at the time. So to convince him to come back, uh, we told him to go and try Shake Shack. And I think he went to try Shake Shack and he said, oh my God, this, this uh, business is amazing. Uh, and he said he's coming back to help us with the business. Uh, but one funny part about that, that, that uh, story is that when we asked him, hey, what did you try at Shake Shack? Which burger did you try? He said, no, I tried the hot dog. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Wiki has, not, has never been known to be a, a, a food person, but he felt like having hot dogs that day. He was still impressed by it, you know, so, so be it. Uh, but he flew back and then, uh, you know, started planning with us uh, on the business. So um, we had 10 different sessions uh, of R&D at Red Bean Bag, uh, where they generously provided um, the location, even some ingredients as well. Uh, and in that process of uh, discovering, you know, what the Malaysian palate was like, uh, we, we discovered that we had, uh, we were able to create a very unique, uh, burger flavor at that time. I think right now our flavor is quite common. Um, hopefully it's because, you know, people have, have started emulating us. But back then, uh, I think the burgers that we created were, were different from what was in the market. And by the eight or nine uh, R&D session, people were telling us that, oh, wow, this tasted so different. Um, you guys should open your own uh, restaurant. And and why I say that is a big deal because in the first seven uh, R&D sessions, people were like, are you sure, guys? This is horrible. Your burger is nowhere good. Um, but yeah, we arrived at the stage where people said that our burgers were, were definitely different. Uh, and that was when we decided, okay, we can we can actually turn this into a potential business. Uh, so, But it was also on the ninth and the 10th uh, R&D session that we changed our bun into charcoal buns. Yeah. So I happened to be the main baker at that point in time, and uh, I saw that you know they were selling this charcoal powder in the in the bakery supply shop that I went to, and I decided to give it a try to see what it would do, and it created you know this this really dark, really, um, uh, well, it created this really dark looking uh, bun that looked like it was chowta, like burnt, right? Uh, but when we served it to customer or our friends, uh, while they were shocked at first, and we assured them that hey, it doesn't taste bad, it does no bitterness, right? Uh, and they bit into it and they said, oh, wow, this actually tastes really good. When in fact, uh, when we did the blind test, it didn't taste different from our original bun. It just, the color was what was different. Uh, but somehow psychologically, they felt that it was a more premium product. By July 10, 2012, uh, we opened our first outlet in Sipa. That's the story. Right. And you guys were also the first burger joint in Malaysia to come out with a charcoal black bun, right? I like to think so. I believe so. I, I couldn't find any other trace of uh, evidence that there was any Chakoban before us. I see. But 2020 was also an era where everyone was posting like their OTDs on social media platforms like Facebook, Instagram, what they're eating and all. Do you think that MBL actually jumped on the bandwagon and gained traction from there as well? You mean 2012? Oh, 2012, 2020. yes. 2020, 2012. <laughs> all good, all good. Uh, yeah, I think, you know, if in, in hindsight, we definitely, uh, it wasn't on, on, on um, how I say, it wasn't intended to be that way, but we definitely opened uh, a Instagrammable uh, product. Uh, sorry, we opened a shop that sold an Instagrammable product at the right time. As you rightly mentioned, uh, that was a time when 3G became more affordable. More phones had the capacity to, to take great pictures and also upload them onto Facebook and Instagram. Right. And uh, we, we just ride, you know, we just wrote on that trend. So would you kind of attribute the early success of my lab to the 3G era? Definitely, definitely. Wow, that's good. 
So we want to get inside your brain a little bit and talk about the creative process that goes through with churning out your menu. I mean, you guys have a bombshell menu from your Ultraman burger, Krispy Kreme to beautiful mess. Can you kind of bring us through the ideation and execution process? Uh, all right. So let's, let's talk about back in 2012, how the thought process was. Uh, and then 2000, up until 2019. Yeah. And then, of course, today. Mm-hmm. Um, so back in 2012, we just wanted to make simple cheeseburger uh, with, you know, uh, some premium toppings. Uh, back then, putting a slice of uh, hash brown on top of a burger was creative. Mm-hmm. You know, right now, you wouldn't think that it's something very creative, right? But back then, when we did that, our friends were like, oh my God, you know, where, where did you get this idea from? Um, so what we tried to do back then was just, hey, make something that the flavor was uniquely ours by combining Asian and, and Western uh, influences. Mm-hmm. Um, but what we started uh, getting feedback from customers is that, hey, you are Burger Lab, right? You know, you, you got to do more creative stuff. And that's when we decided, okay, maybe that could be our, our thing. And we started creating more funky, more adventurous flavors, but with keeping in mind that it has to taste good first before we, we put it out there, right? Um, so our first few creation was actually very simple. Uh, the two that I can remember is the uh, a previous version of Beautiful Mesh. We call it the Ui Gui. So it's basically a uh, fried portobello mushroom. It's a whole fried portobello mushroom instead of three strips right now. Um, and then a cheese that is covered with... Uh, sorry, a egg, uh, sorry, a fried egg that is covered with cheese. And then the same honey mustard sauce that we have on, on Carbon Beautiful Mess. And of course, that evolved over time. Um, and then, you know, along the way, uh, in the first one year, we, we started, you know, uh, Googling online and see what are the weird flavors that people have um, in, in other countries. And then we thought, oh, let's do a peanut and butter jam yeah. uh, uh, burger. And then we started doing sambal and, and um, you know, blue cheese burger. So that became a part of our calling because people were expecting those kind of creativity from us. Right. Uh, to be honest, you know, the inspiration came from my own personal eating habit. I generally like to combine one item with another just to see whether it works or not. Uh, but, you know, over the years, I think that that stress put upon us to be creative has forced us to do certain things that I would consider a sellout uh, when I was starting the business. So you mean the right? stress comes uh, from the expectation of the co- your consumers? Yes, yes. Because we, we do listen to our customers. We believe that when someone says my burger lab, it is theirs as well. So consumers keep asking, hey, when's your next uh, creative burger? When are you launching you know, this? And when are you launching that? Oh, hey, look at that. You know, uh, in this country, they, they have this uh, really funky burger. You should create it too. So we, we responded to it. Um, but again, over the years, you kind of start losing that, hey, what did I start this business for? And that's why I bring it up to you know, this date. Uh, in fact, I've been looking, in fact, staring in front of me right now is our a new iteration of our menu from uh, the current um, 18 burger menu. I'm trimming it down to 10 only. Okay. Uh, and in fact, like each one of this, I'm also elevating the experience of the current burgers that we have. Um, why I'm doing that? Because I realized that we have deviated so far from our original intention. Mm-hmm. And in fact, you know, when we look at the data, customers order a majority of the simple burgers. 
Mm-hmm. While there is a group of people that respond to the funky burgers, it's not a huge group. And we still want to listen to them and we still want to cater to them. But um, in that journey of, of growing the business, I think we lost the track of what is important to us and what is important to the customer. And I, we, we're taking this COVID situation here as a reminder, as a, as a um, you know, to, to reset ourselves, to rediscover ourselves. Um, so that's that's where that part of the journey is when it comes to designing burgers. And of course, uh, because of me being who I am and and having uh, the opportunity to meet all these wonderful uh, people from within FMV, yeah. and, and even I got to meet the very famous Taiki from uh, Thailand, um, and his philosophy of making a burger has really inspired me uh, to rethink how we do our burgers as well. So these are things that, you know, over the years, uh, I've realized, hey, you know what? maybe it's time to just step back and, and just, um, you know, take all the experiences that I have and say, if I'm to restart this business again, how would I do it differently? Right. Uh, and that's the, the, the ground that we're standing on right now. Yeah, from hearing what you're sharing now, I see that um, who you are plays a big part in the creation of your menu and recipes. So what would you say, sense. like, who are you? <laughs> if the question makes sense to you. Um, who am I? Who am I? Uh, I, okay, by definition, I am an introvert, okay? Uh, but I'm also an introvert that loves to please people. Uh, and that's where I found joy in. Uh, whenever I serve something to someone, uh, and whether it's a drink, whether it's my own creation of, of uh, you know, a, a sandwich, um, I like to watch them eat. I like to watch them, you know, eat and, and, and respond uh, in in delight if they, they, they happen to like what I, what I created. So I think basically Burger Lab is a reflection of that. You know, everything that we do is, is in hopes that someone, uh, when they come in, when they choose to come into our establishment, is to have a burger that puts a smile on their face. I know it's, it's very uh, cliche, right? Um, but I, I believe that, you know, if you're going to run a business, if I'm going to run a business of my own, it, it has to have passion. It needs to have purpose. Uh, and, and, you know, I, I don't think that Burger Lab would be a Burger Lab if, if not for these ideologies that I have injected into the business. Yeah. I mean, previously... So it's, it's to please people. It's to make people happy, basically. Yeah, previously we spoke and then you talk about how the process is always about having fun and not limiting yourself to what you know or understand. Um, but... Um, my burger lab has been in the scene for nine years now. And I believe things, like you say, have changed back in 2012 versus 2021. Maybe you guys have become a little more corporate or um, how, how do you balance that out? Like being really careful, but also having fun and not limiting yourself and, you know, presenting this burgers that pleases your customers, which is your goal. So this is a really tough one because uh, I used to... So, okay, over the years, uh, the business structure and, and the people that is involved in the business has changed as well. Um, Wicket, who was the financial guy, uh, actually left the business from a decision-making point of view. He's still a partner. He's still uh, invested in the business, but he has left the seat of making decisions for the business. Uh, he, he needed a break and he wanted to do something different. Uh, but prior to that, it was a lot of me and him butting heads trying to figure out what's best for our customers, what's best for the team. Um, because if I have to describe between the three of us co-founders, uh, me, 
uh, I would call myself the heart of the business uh, where, you know, when it comes to the creativity side of things, uh, when it comes to taking care of people, when it comes to taking care of our customers and our team, that's a lot of, uh, and building brand culture, that's a lot from me. Uh, we get is the business mind, right? It's the brains of the business. And then Chiang is the hands and the leg. Anything that needs to be done, he will do it, yeah. right? So I think that makes a really good combination. But over the years, obviously things uh, shift and you know everyone's interest shifts as well. So when we get decided to leave, someone had to take the brain role. And that's where I stepped in and stepped up uh, to, to, to run the business uh, on a more, on a larger capacity. Um, and that's where I struggled. I'm like, hey, I want to give free stuff to my customers uh, during this promo. The last time we'll have Wicked that will say, hey, stupid, are you think the charity, is it? <laughs> um, so I will have that internal monologue in my head right now to say, hey, I want to do this because it's so fun to, to create all these things, right? And then the business side will come in and go like, hey, you know what? If you do that, then uh, you, you can't make ends meet, you know, especially during such a time. So um, it's, it's, that, it's that struggle, and at the end of the day, you know, I have to force myself to think more on the business side because what is different from last time and now is that, you know, we've grown a little bit more. We have a lot more people. We have a lot more staff within our, our um, business that we have a responsibility for to take care of their welfare, to take care of, um, you know, their, their career growth as well. And I cannot make uh, decisions on a whim because you feel I like feel it. that it's fun, right? Uh, so there's that balance, but uh, we try. We always, hey, let's come up with ideas that's fun first, and then we think about the business feasibility of it. So it's, it's a balance. It's never one over the other, uh, but the fun must come first. Okay. Let's talk a bit about your pro book, Bok Choy Burger. I mean, do you also get inspiration from the current news? And MBL seems like you guys are very provocative in addressing current times. Why, why do you think that's important for food businesses? I don't think it's important for food businesses. Oh, really? It's actually very risky. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, not, not recommended at all. Um, I think this also you can trace back to our origin. When we first started using Facebook uh, mm. as a business page, um, we didn't know how to, what, that you have to set a certain tone, that there's a certain, you know, uh, style that you, you need to just copy and paste, right? Um, we noticed that the other brands back in 2012 were very formal um, and, and, you know, it, it, was, it was just very rigid. And when I was handling it with Wicked at the time, we just, whatever that came to our mind, we just posted. Yeah. We just felt like, hey, our business is everybody's. So let's just post openly and we used it as if it was our own personal Facebook. And I think over the years, that has not changed. Um, we, we stand for, if we see injustice, we will, we will, We'll make sure that, you know, our brand says something about it, especially if it affects us fellow Malaysians. I mean, we can't address everything around the world and we can't address everything in Malaysia as well. But if you feel that it affects the F&B world, it affects uh, the youngsters, uh, there's a few themes that we will react to, right? Um, or whether standing for LGBT, right? Uh, we would also sometimes put, put our voice out there. It is dangerous because not everyone will always agree with you. Yeah. Uh, but I think so far, you know, uh, with... with identifying or aligning ourselves to certain uh, ideologies. Uh, we've built very strong uh, fan base that, that believes in what we do, that, that stands behind what we do. Mm. Um, so do we do it for the sake of being provocative? A little bit. But I think, you know, as a community brand, uh, what, what, we try to do, what we try to do is to be relatable. Right. Um, and 
again, I feel like it's it's fun. It's uh, you know when they say uh, don't provoke me, right? And to me, in my head, I was like, yeah, how can I turn this into a burger? Um, and yeah, for those that don't know the context, uh, you know, there was an LRT incident, and then you know the the CEO, you know, said something that was very provocative. Uh, so we we thought, you know, why not use that word and turn it into a burger? And the burger that came out of it was a burger that had uh, provolone cheese and bok choy on it. And then you combine those two words together, you get a provolone, right? Uh, but these are things that we do. But to be fair, I don't dare say that, you know, we are the pioneers in, in doing this. I think Nando's deserve that credit. And in fact, Nando's uh, were the ones that empowered us to do so. After we saw some of the ads in Nando's, at least a couple of years back when they, when they started this trend, we were like, yeah, if Nando's can do it, hell, we can do it as well. Yeah. Um, and yeah, we continued with it. I think Nando's is a little bit tamer these days, uh, but we've, we've you know, continued on with that. I actually know uh, the Nando's CEO, you know, she's also my mentor, uh, Chong Lin. She said, as long as it doesn't land you in jail, go ahead and do it. Wow, so, what an advice. <laughs> that's the guideline. <laughs> okay, so that's your ceiling. <laughs> I mean, hearing your story now, um, Passion is truly what got my Burger Lab started. But like you said, the business fundamentals are very important. Just like how you said, different partners play different roles. What do you think are some of the key factors businesses should be watching out for to sustain a thriving business? I think this is very different. I mean, disclaimer, right? Uh, it's, it's different for every individual businesses out there. Um, I my My standpoint is... You know, does your purpose, sorry, does your business serve a purpose and what purpose is that? And you need to be able to answer that. Uh, making money is great. I think, you know, money makes the world go around. Money can buy a certain extent of happiness. Uh, but if you want to see longevity in what you do, uh, you need to find that purpose. I, I think that is, if one wants to make quick money, there is, you know, a thousand and one ways to go about doing so uh, but the question is can you continue doing it for the rest of your life and I think for me I've been able to find that I enjoy what I do yes it just comes in come with its own um, unique uh, uh, frustrations uh, but I enjoy you know um, the joys and the frustrations that comes along with that so I think to, to give anyone that advice um, you know you don't 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 go into business just because someone asked you to. You don't go into business because you saw uh, others are doing good at it. I mean, if you look at the bubble tea bubble, right? Mm. It came and went because every uh, entrepreneur out there that had a little bit of money, um, you know, that could afford to open a shop, they they did so. Hey, bubble tea is a trend. Let's hop on top of it. And when when you do that, right? The only people that make money are are the people who, who started the franchise, who sold mm. you the franchise. But there's so many people that I know, unfortunately, in that scenario got burned because they wanted quick money. They believe that if I, I open bubble tea because it's trending, I can ROI in six months and I'll be making a million dollars by the end of, you know, uh, in the next one year. But yeah, one shouldn't do that. Um, I, I mean, credit have to be given to those who built the franchise and sold the franchise. Smart. Uh, but a little bit unethical. <laughs> um, yeah, so I, I don't think that's, that's an advice that I can give that blankets all, all business owners. Um, but if you don't enjoy it and if you're not doing it you know, for yourself, uh, then it might not be the business for you. 
Let's talk a bit about marketing. We know that marketing is not just about posting on social media, but my Burger Lab is doing a great job. What's what's your secret? Have fun. I mean, the thing about marketing is that it's your it's who you are portraying to your customers, and I think that image, um, at least for us, we are a fun brand. I mean, we we like to see ourselves as a fun brand. Um, as long as you are. Um, I mean, there will be boring posts, right? I mean, you have to say, hey, we have this new burger, come and try it, or we have this promotion, come come and get it. Um, occasionally, it, it should be sprinkled with a little bit of your soul, right? Yeah. Who you are as a business. Um, and I, I, well, I do not do 100% of the marketing right now. I still have uh, my hands in it to some extent. And I'll say, hey guys, this, this sounds like a very good or fun thing to do. Uh, go ahead and, and make a meme out of it. Um, or like the provoke burger, right? Mm. Um, my team, it was a, it was a weekend and my team was off, but I went ahead and go and, you know, buy some ingredients and cook to my, you know, have, have fun cooking in my own kitchen. And I took a picture and then posted it up. Um, so, you know, as owners, I think, uh, we should still have a hand in how the marketing is run, even if it's just like that 5%. Yeah. Uh, but at the same time, you give permission to your team to have fun. Give your team permission to to spread joy. Uh, it's not always about selling, 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 selling. I think that's what a lot of uh, you know marketers do because their KPI is to generate X amount of sales. Uh, sometimes it's not always about that. People want to buy from businesses that they can relate to. Right. That has sold. Right. Um, you have burgers, I believe, that's named after your customers, like Vivian's Burger and burgers to tribute to long-standing businesses like Yutki Hainanese Chicken Burger. Is that part of the marketing plan as well? Uh, it's not. I mean, to be honest, uh, some people think that, oh yeah, you're trying to uh, leverage on, on uh, old brand name and, and whatnot. Um, let's talk about Vivian's husband first. Uh, so that came about because we created a vegetarian burger. Uh, this is back in early 2012. Um, we created a vegetarian burger and we didn't know what to name it and it had a very stupid name. It was like... Uh, vegetarian beta, like beta version. Uh, so one of the customers that came in and she had it and she loved it uh, and she went on social media and went full full crazy mode. She was on Twitter, she was on Instagram and like, oh my God, this is the best burger. I want to marry it. Then she said, but I only have one complaint. You know, why does it have such a stupid name? And we said, oh, we don't have a name for it. Would you like to name it? Uh, and she said, yes, 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 yes. And she named it Vivian's husband. Her name was Vivian. Uh, and the following two, three weeks after that, almost every other day, she would bring friends, she would bring, you know, her classmates, uh, her family to come and market. And in fact, uh, after some time, her brother worked with us, she worked with us as well, uh, as, as, you know, part of the team. Um, so th- those are the things that we do. Uh, it's not opportunistic. I think it was just, you know, the natural progression of things. Um, so it wasn't purposeful, uh, but... Yeah, it, it creates a, a story. Like people do still ask, you know, why is it so weird? Why is it someone's husband? So that was that. Uh, as for the In and Out tribute, right? Um, I mean, In and Out is such a world famous burger, and we wanted to pay tribute to it because without In and Out, without my experience eating In and Out, I, I wouldn't have had the same philosophy of wanting to start my own burger joint. Um, and I always believe to give to give credit where it's due and to give credit to your inspirations. Because yeah. I think that there's a Malaysian culture of liking to steal ideas and then claiming that they are the original. Um, and I, I didn't want to fall into that trap uh, or even, you know, lie to myself that I, I'm actually that smart. 
So we we basically did exactly what an in and out double animal style uh, burger is like, uh, or at least our interpretation. Mm-hmm. Um, and we call it as such the in and out tribute uh, because we didn't want people to think like we were so smart to come up with it. We wanted to say, hey, look, this is the original. If you happen to see it in the future, you're in the States, go try it. This is what inspired us to, to be you know who we are today. Yuki Burger, also the same thing. I mean, the collaboration came because uh, Tiger Beer uh, had a street food event and they wanted to pair a modern business and a legacy business together. And I met up with uh, Melvin. Uh, he's the third generation uh, of, of the Yuki you know, uh, brand, brand holder. And we had a good time. We, we clicked and uh, we, just, we designed the burger together. And naturally, it has to be called the Yuki Burger. So um, we don't do it for the sake of branding. It does help. I will be lying if I say it doesn't. Uh, but I, I think it's just, again, paying tribute. Um, to to the to our inspirations, paying tribute or, or, or credit, giving credit to to who inspired us. So that's that's why we do what we do. That was Ren Yi from My Burger Lab. You are listening to Foodie Canteen, and we'll be right back after this break. This show is supported by Good Foodie Media. For foodie who wants to connect to the world through food, that's where you go. Find Penang Foodie, KL Foodie and Halal Foodie on Instagram. They curate the best spots to eat and drink in Malaysia. Let's talk a little bit about building a solid team. I know you're very passionate about building people and investing in training the youth at My Burger Lab. Was it because back then you were also given the same chances? I, I would like to think so. Um... So my experience when I was working in the States, uh, I saw that a lot of uh, American youth came out um, to work, whether it is uh, as a waiter, as uh, you know, ride operators. And I realized that for their age, they were a lot more mature than Malaysians you know, at around the 18, 19-year-old uh, age group. And I, I, I remember that I was so impressed with uh, how some of them conducted themselves and, and the life experiences that they had at such a young age. And... Um, I, I, I had an epiphany, epiphany that, you know, retail work or even F&B work can be so much more than just, you know, grinding through the hours and just serving people without much purpose. So when we started the business, uh, at that time, we also didn't know where we were going to get our workforce from. Uh, all we knew was, was that we had friends who uh, was uh, in the midst of a work, um, holiday because they were in the same uni as we were, but they were our juniors. And we said, hey, come over and, and work. Um, and that was our first uh, group of workforce. They were friends around that 18, 19-year-old age, uh, university-going students. And because we had so much fun working there, other people started coming to join us. And that was when I reminded myself to say that, hey, you know what? We can provide so much more for these youngsters, right? Um, we want to make sure that their work experience with us is not just clock in, clock out, flip some burgers, uh, you know, smile at customers and put a, a piece of uh, burger on, on the table and that's it. We wanted so much more. So we built into the ecosystem that, you know, they learn about um, team communication. They learn about being systematic about certain things. They learn about working, that in a working environment, you're not, go on a, you're not always going to have people that you like on your same team. But how do you work through that, right? That is part of the adult working life. So we wanted to make sure that even if they just spend three months with us working part-time on a casual basis, uh, when they leave, they leave, you know, slightly... Uh, a better version of themselves. So that's that's how it came to be. And of course, uh, reflecting on the mentors uh, 
you know, the store managers, uh, the managers that I had worked uh, with before uh, in various different locations, the good and the bad, right? And I realized that those that were uh, good to me in, in my own personal growth, uh, I, I, at that time, I didn't appreciate it, but I realized that we could, in, we could be in that position. You know, we are running our own business. We could do so much more. It would have been so much easier at that time to just hire uh, foreign workers and just, you know, have mindless drones just working in and out um, of the business. But we said, hey, well, let's put a little bit of effort and let's give our business a little bit of purpose when it comes to um, running it with with very young bunch of Malaysians. Uh, and it's not exclusive to Malaysians right now, even international students yeah. uh, in certain locations like in Sunway, um, we, we give the same opportunity. And why do you think it's so important to build the next generation? Is it, um, like you say, it's the ecosystem, right? Look, we all we all have said it, right? We all say that, oh, this younger generation are uh, not as uh, hardworking, not as as a trial, as a trial than the before one. And then we talk about uh, how, you know, the education system is, is not uh, how it used to be. I mean, every generation says that. Um, but the question is, you know, as much as we feel that way, then what can we do about it? Yeah. Um, so I felt that since we were a brand that was attracting young talent to work with us, because the only reason why they wanted to work with us is not because we were providing all those value that they, they felt they needed, but it was because they said, hey, you know, there's a bunch of young people working here. It's good energy. It's, it looks like it's fun. But what they pick up along the way, subconsciously or consciously, uh, is, is by design. And I think, you know, for us as a business, I couldn't live with just building a very successful burger joint known for its burgers only. I want these people who have worked with us to go out there, you know, to reflect back, to say that, hey, I'm glad I worked at Burger Lab and it gave me the skill set to, to enjoy the success that I have you know, right now, because that's how I feel about my time at Starbucks. I had a few good store managers there that really gave me the time that really, you know, taught me things. Uh, and while I didn't appreciate it then, um, it, it, it helped. It helped with who I am today. Yeah, that's good. Can you share with us some of the habits you have cultivated over the years that's been helpful to your success today? As a person? Yeah. Oh man, I have a lot of bad habits, no good habits. <laughs> I don't wake up early like some CEO and read a book once per month. Uh, I try, right? I, just, <laughs> I try, but um, honestly, I'm just another guy. I don't have any secret success tip. I eat unhealthily when I'm stressed. I eat, like I gain so much weight every time there's an MCO. It's not good. Um, especially when uh, people like Kale Foodie post all these new recommendations of good places to go makan uh, I'll be like oh yeah I gotta go try <laughs> um, honestly I think you know just be who you are if you feel like you know uh, a, a, a very disciplined lifestyle is your thing go go at it no, nothing wrong with that if you feel that um, you know you, you want to lay back a bit in life and just enjoy life as it is you know do that I like I say I don't have great discipline but I have um, really good friends around me I enjoy my life I run a fairly decent, successful business um, and I'm happy. I think that's important, right? Uh, too many times uh, we have all these social media channels telling us you have to be this, you have to be that to be successful. You have to make this much money to feel successful. I, I don't buy that. Okay. So what does success mean to you? Hey, happiness, man. I think if you're happy with what you're doing, good and bad, right? That, that is a form of success. I know it's easy for me to say because I've achieved some level of success by society, uh, society's definition. Um, 
honestly, I think success is, is a pursuit. When you reach a certain level of happiness and then you want more, I think that's life, right? Uh, and, and it boils down to contentment. And if you're if you're able to um, you know, sit at a level where you are contented, you know, do I need a Lamborghini to be happy? It doesn't hurt to have one, I guess, but uh, I don't think I need one to be happy. Okay, that's different yeah, for everyone. So, yeah. I mean, right now it's been more than a year, but we are still in the midst of pandemic with a lot of restrictions, especially for the F&B industry. How are you managing MBL right now? And are there some things that you are doing to put the best of my burger lab out there? Um, I think that, okay, so I mentioned about the reinvention of our menu. Uh, that was exciting to me. Yeah. Uh, and that's the next big project that I'm working uh, forward. Um, as for, you know, going through the pandemic, I think it's, it's a once in a lifetime thing and we are going through it every new MCO, every new month that comes along uh, is, is different because uh, number one, I, I have to admit that, you know, in MCO one, MCO two, we were so gung ho. We were like, yeah, you know, whatever come, come what may, we will, we will find new ways to be creative. We'll, we'll have all these amazing campaigns to, to overcome it. Um, but at this point, we're tired, we're fatigued, right? And and honestly, the next few months ahead is still a big question mark because we have this government, you know, I don't want to go into politics, but we definitely have this government that is, that is um, you know, politicking, you know, they have their, their own interests at heart. And as business owners, just last, you know, I'm sure you guys experienced it, just wondering whether you're approved to work or not, right? It's a big question mark. Um, so, I, what I've learned is, you know, you can't change what you can't change. We've done a lot of things in the last one year that allow us to survive. Let's continue with that. We don't need to strive any harder at this point. Let's just sit back, relax, and, and, and you know, prepare ourselves for the next stage uh, of, of battle. Uh, so right now, I'm taking more of a laid-back uh, position. Uh, we are definitely, um, how to say, uh, taking the time, the opportunity to just say, you know what, let's do what we can but there's no point pushing because we realized that back in MCO one we pushed for so many things, but not everything had a return, right? We, we launched a breakfast menu. It wasn't super profitable. There were people who really enjoyed it. There were people who were happy and we were happy serving that at that point in time. But when you look back at the numbers, you're like, oh, wow, you know, we, we had to do so many things, but there, there was no um, return to it in terms of uh, whether the equipment's invested or, or uh, the, the R&D invested into it. Um, and right now, it just seems like just do what we are good at, focus on that, serve our customers, make them make sure they are happy, and ride through this storm. And then, you know, uh, when things clear out, at least we have the energy to continue. Uh, when we came into 2021, and I'm sure you guys did as well, uh, we were also bright-eyed and, and so hopeful that, oh, new year, new me, and everything new, like COVID is gone. But here we are, right? Half a year into, into 2021, and it feels more, more um, depressing than it was in uh, MCO1. Um, so yeah, write it out and, and just chill. So that's our motto at this point. So you've been in a business for almost a decade now. If there's one lesson you, you learn from this journey, what, what would that be? Honestly, if I have to say I have any regrets, um, it would be you know, how me and my partners are no longer as close as when we first started. I think before we started, you know, we are all very close friends. We always hang out. But somehow, because of the business, uh, it's not like we are fighting. We're just not as close. We just don't hang out as often. Um, don't ask me why. Uh, it, it, things just became the way it was. Maybe because we saw each other every other day that we were like, you know what? We just need some time off. Uh, but yeah, 
I would say that, you know, I, if, if I have to say that there's any regret, I just regret that we are not as close as a friend. We're more business partners than friends, right? Um, but other than that, you know, when running a business or doing anything in life, you're, you're bound to make mistakes, um, whether you, you, you do it intentionally or not. Uh, but those mistakes are what makes us uh, better people. Um, so I, 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 I wouldn't say I look back with, with much regret. Um, but yeah, it's, it's that, that friendship. I feel that, you know, we had so much, we had so much more fun back then. But now, you know, when we sit down on the table, it's all business. Um, and maybe it's the nature of how things are this, uh, or maybe it's, all, it's, it's a part of growing up. Uh, but that, that is something that, upon reflection, I don't, I don't enjoy. So would you advise other people to not do business with your friends? No, it's not that. I mean, honestly, you know, the first few years when we were hustling together, when we were, you know, still, still very bright-eyed and, 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 you know, enjoying that, that early stages of the business, I, I think working with them was the most joy uh, I had. Um, so, yeah, I, I know that there is a stigma saying that you shouldn't work with your friends uh, because I have seen situations like that where people have gone into business with their friends, but... Uh, it didn't work out. So it can go either way, see whether you're lucky or not. Uh, my, my relationship is actually still, still I, I would say still on the good side. It's just, like I said, like, you're not as close as before. I don't know why. But I've seen businesses where, you know, uh, long-term friends come together and they ask, like, their relationship is better than before. It really depends on individuals. What are top, uh, your top three pieces of advice you would give to people who are starting out in the F&B industry? Um... Uh, so this one is a bit tricky. Uh, one advice that I constantly give uh, is, you know, work for someone else first. Work for at least a year in the in the industry, or at least you know, if you want to open a cafe, go work in a cafe. If you want to work, uh, open a burger joint, go work in a burger joint for at least a year. You will save yourself so much heartache and so much pain and so much unnecessary uh, monetary losses. Uh, too many times, you know, people think you can cook, you like food, open a restaurant, lah. right? Um, but it's not the it's not it's not always the case because it is still a business. A restaurant is not a magical place where food appears. A, 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 a restaurant is still a business where you need someone to manage uh, the HR, right? Uh, you need someone to manage the finances. You need someone to manage the SOP. Without all this, uh, you know, a recipe is nothing. Uh, when you don't have people who follow certain rules or certain specific rules. That's why, I, well, as carefully, while well, you guys have reviewed, you know, thousands of restaurants and I, I bet you've seen that not in, within a year, right? Some restaurants don't even last uh, that one year. It's because they don't have the infrastructure in, in place. And uh, because the barrier of entry into F&B is so low, anyone can go into F&B so easily. As long as you have that money, right, you can open a restaurant. There are you know, all these F&B consultants around that will advise, that will give you advice on how to open a restaurant. Um, but once you open it, that first year, the second year is, is the infancy stage. You get past the third year, right? Congratulations. Then you have a fighting chance. Uh, so, you know, go work in an industry, uh, learn all the ins and outs of the business uh, before you, you, you open your own because too many people have have not done that and, and suffered the consequences. Now, why I say it's a bit ironic for me to give this advice is because we didn't exactly work in the industry. We jumped in 
and and you know learn as we go. We were lucky. We were one of the few lucky ones that somehow got it right. So don't take this as an example, because when you listen to all the success stories, there is a thousand more failure stories behind um, that didn't work out, and I think that's what people should be learning from. Thank you so much, Ramy, for sharing your story with us today. You're welcome. It was a pleasure. You have just listened to Foodie Canteen. Special thanks to Ren Yi for sharing his story. This show is produced by me, your host, Kasselim, and co-written by Mei Rui Kwa. Foodie Canteen podcast is made possible by the excellent team at Good Foodie Media. Check us out on Instagram and Facebook at Foodie Canteen for more. Follow us for brand new episodes every Friday. Thanks for listening. 